Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... I actually met my wife on CatholicSingles.com, if you can believe that. Really? And about Yes, I had never done that before. Didn't have any problems with dating. Natalie and Aaron met on CatholicSingles.com after they realized that they needed to find someone who shared their faith. Meet other faithful Catholics on the original Catholic dating site. Download our app today for free. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.com. Dot app slash breadbox. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. So happy this week to be joined by another of my real life friends and someone who's doing remarkable work. Joining us today is Jamie Stewart Wolf. And Jamie is, among other things, she's a very, very accomplished woman, but um, in today's capacity, she is the editor of a great new book from Ave Maria Press entitled Teachings for an Unbelieving World. Newly Discovered Reflections on Paul's Sermon at the Areopagus by John Paul II. Welcome to the show, Jamie Stewart-Wolf. Hey, it's great to be with you, Lisa, even if it's uh, socially distant. I know, I know. It's so, so fun to be here. And I have a million things I want to ask you about, but I really want to focus our conversation today on this particular book. I sort of vaguely remember when the concept for this came to you, and it's really a remarkable project that you've had the chance to work on. Tell us a little bit more about how this book came about. Yeah, you were there, actually, at the L.A. Religious Education Congress um, a couple a couple congresses ago. And, um, you know, I mean, we, as editors, we go there to meet new authors and figure out new projects and see what everybody else is doing and what the pulse of, of uh, readers really is, where that might be going, what people are looking for. And we also meet with other publishers and other people we may have worked with on various projects throughout, you know, throughout the years. And so I always try to make an appointment with the Vatican Publishing House representative because, you know, it's the Vatican Publishing House representative. <laughs> and, um, you know, mostly out of respect and, you know, and just to kind of kindle that, keep that friendship going because you never know when you're going to need something from the Vatican and you always do one time or another. So, um, so I made an appointment weeks in advance and went over to the booth and sat down and had a lovely conversation with Fred Julio, who's just a charming person. And, uh, you know, he was going through his catalog and saying, you know, what 
telling me about uh, what they were publishing and what was upcoming for them. And he turned the page and said, oh, and we have this. It's a new work from John Paul. And I just sort of stopped in the chair and sort of time just stopped. And I, it's a new work from John Paul, from Pope John Paul. How is that even possible? Well, he said, it was found in a drawer. Yeah, that's so crazy. <laughs> found in a drawer, uh, written while he was Archbishop of Krakow. Uh, so we think it was written around 1966, maybe very late 1965. Um, but it's really uncertain. There are things we know about the about the work and things we don't. Um, but it was a handwritten 39-page manuscript tucked in a drawer for 50 years that was found in Poland, published in its original language, uh, you know, a year and a half before I heard about it, uh, or actually six months before I heard about it. And then the Vatican was doing a, uh, a translation into Italian, and they were going to release it. And strangely enough, English rights, English language rights for the work were available. And I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Um, it's not very often that you have, you know, a, a prominent, well-loved, holy, deceased author. Saint. Uh, come out, <laughs> right, saint, right. Come out with a new book. But that's exactly what it was. It wasn't compiled from other things. It wasn't like somebody went through all of uh, St. John Paul's works and said, oh, let's see what he says about birds. And here's everything St. John Paul said about birds. Um, but it was actually a set of teachings written by St. John Paul at that period of his life uh, as Archbishop of Krakow. He'd only been Archbishop for a couple of years. And um, it's an extended meditation or reflection on uh, Acts chapter 17. So the, the Acts of the Apostles, um, chapter 17, where Paul addresses the cultural and intellectual elite of Athens. And well, so it's, it's well, yeah, the, it's amazing. The, uh, the teachings and, I mean, scripturally, we know um, that they were based in a particular time in the early church. But when you look at kind of the breakdown of what's covered in um, his writings and the, the talking points, it's almost like this was written for such a time as this, um, that so much of this is so timeless. Say a little bit about that. Yeah, it's it's very interesting uh, because he wrote this probably, as we said, in 1966, at least that's sort of the forensic evidence for this. Um, but it was shortly after the close of the Vat uh, Second Vatican Council. So it was in, an, in what John Paul really kind of considered an evangelical moment, right? So there was, it was written in that moment. But it was also written as he was observing in Poland the 1,000th anniversary of Christianity in that country. So um, it wasn't a joyous celebration countrywide, of course, because you had the, domina the Soviet domination um, of atheistic communism. And so living the faith, proclaiming the faith, sharing the faith was not an easy task in that situation. And so he lived in a world that was, you know, an unbelieving world. There were many, certainly many faithful Catholics living there uh, and, and maintaining the faith, but it wasn't easy. And so he wrote this um, as a series of teachings in that situation. But again, you know, what is the world we live in? It's, uh, it may not be atheistic communism, but it's certainly fallen away from faith. And um, there's certainly uh, a lot of unbelief and disbelief when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world. 
that we live in. And so he has a lot to teach us here about how to approach that world and how to uh, how to approach it fruitfully, not just faithfully. You know, faithfully, yes, with the full gospel of Jesus Christ, but also fruitfully in in, in kind of a g- engagement that might lead to faith for other people, or at least present that as a viable option for them. Jamie, um, the book you give me, the, the Catholic kind of um, editorial and reader fan in me wants to kind of better understand your role as editor in the project and also how what it was like to collaborate with two great voices that you brought into the project. The, the foreword is written by George Weigel, and we have an introduction from Scott Hahn. So what was the date? Like, how do you take a project like this and shape it as editor? Well, you uh, you kind of get in touch with what the importance is of this book, right? I mean, I think if John Paul had had scrawled a uh, grocery list, we probably would have an audience interested in reading it. But but that's not what this is. This actually has valuable content. And yet it's also historically valuable, right? It's valuable from from a historical perspective in terms of when was this written? How was it, how does it represent the development of of St. John Paul's thinking or um, articulation, expression of what he thought. And it's remarkably consistent. I mean, it's 12 years before he's standing on that balcony at St. Peter's Square, uh, elected as the next Holy Father. But it's remarkably consistent. And you see in this book a lot of the themes that later show up in his pontificate um, in kind of miniature form, right? But the job of an editor is to kind of put all those, define all the moving pieces and then put them all together. And so that's, you know, what what would people want from a book like this? Well, they'd want to know more about the scriptural context and they'd want to know more about the historical importance of it and where this falls in the work of John Paul. So that's why we went to, uh, you know, I went to George Weigel and to uh, Dr. Scott Hahn for expertise in their areas and their contributions, honestly, are, you know, sometimes... I have to admit, I'm a person who doesn't always read the foreword or the introduction, but in this book, they really contribute uh, to our understanding of what uh, St. John Paul is saying here and and its importance, its significance. What did you personally take away from what you learned of reading the book? You spend, as an editor, you spend a lot of time just very immersed in the content and the shaping of a project, but you know, for you as a person of faith, um, how did reading this and, and spending so much time with the impact you personally? Well, really kind of two ways. I mean, one is content and one is kind of more personal, right? So in that hotel room in, in Anaheim, when I requested the, the manuscript be sent to me in languages I didn't read, you know, much uh, Polish and Italian, I opened up an email that came in at three o'clock in the morning. I never do that, but I did that day. I was just too excited and, uh, you know, it was up in the middle of the night and something just said, check your email. So I opened up that email and saw a, uh, a scroll through the document in Polish and Italian, whatever. But there it was, uh, handwritten pages, right, photographs of this, of this manuscript. And I have to tell you, Lisa, at that moment, I really, I really felt that I was encountering St. John Paul right in that hotel room in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it felt very personal and very, he felt very present. Um, and it was an interesting kind of encounter. Uh, in the community of saints, you know, we're, we're all together. We're all together in Christ. And so uh, time and space and death and life, none of that really blocks anything. But I felt that he was there. 
And so that was a very personal thing. But in terms of the content of the book, I would say that he says something in this book that uh, is very powerful and, and maybe some excellent guidance for us as we as we uh, move back into the world and, and, and begin again to preach the gospel and live it. And it's that the people in Athens um, who rejected the gospel uh, largely considered this encounter, you know, this encounter of St. Paul in, the, in Athens was not considered a success. We don't have a letter to the Athenians uh, to prove that any church had really started there. He, had, he won only a few converts. But the reason St. John Paul gives for that is that it had more to do with anthropology than it did to do with theology. In other words, it's the understanding of the human person that kept those very brilliant, culturally developed Athenians from accepting the gospel. And I think we we can uh, profit from an awareness of that today, right? I mean, I, I know I will be looking at what is the understanding of the human person that, uh, you know, that I might be dealing with or encountering whenever I'm trying to present the gospel in our world? And how does that disconnect maybe affect a person's ability to really hear the invitation of Christ to walk with him? Did you have a big devotion to St. John Paul II before working on oh, yeah. this? Absolutely. I, I, I've been carrying that as a, for as long as I've been Catholic. I, I came into the Catholic Church as a senior in college uh, a few years after witnessing a mass on Boston Common uh, that was offered by St. John Paul. And uh, it was a profoundly deep experience, despite the fact that I was not Catholic and that it was raining cats and dogs. And um, it was a very cold October day. But it was a powerful experience. And, you know, St. John Paul had that had that um, really great charism of being able to speak to a crowd of a million people. And yet each person in that crowd felt that he was speaking directly to them. It was just that kind of an experience. So I think I owe my Catholicism in part to St. John Paul, <laughs> among a few others. So I, I feel indebted, that's for sure. Was and, there anything um, that you kind of learned through this that you hadn't known before about him? Well, you know, his, I think the consistency of his thought and how, how, he, how systematically he developed so many themes, like about the human, the human being in truth, the human being in freedom, how love is both redemptive and spousal, uh, the Holy Spirit, his prayer life. But I think one thing um, that we tend to forget about St. John Paul is that he was a council father at the Second Vatican Council. And we, we sort of forget about that. He was uh, the last council father to sit on the chair of Peter, and uh, he brought all the hopes and, and aspirations of Vatican II with him. And uh, his job largely in Poland was to implement those, those things, uh, and then you know, he kind of took that to the, to the church as a whole. But he was very much a product and a producer of Vatican II. And I think this book really affirms that because he quotes very liberally from the documents. Beautiful. Now, um, this is a book that, you know, some people might kind of shy away from something like this, but it's really accessible and, and really important for all of us as people of faith and people who want to share our faith. Now, Ave is providing a free study guide. How would you suggest maybe that readers um, embrace this book and use it either in groups or at their parishes or even for independent study? 
Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's um it doesn't read like a philosophic text in most places. There's a few maybe paragraphs that might be a little difficult, but overall it, it reads more like a Wednesday audience that he would give. And, and the teachings are really quite brief. So we're talking maybe 1,500 words. Um, that's kind of the length of two newspaper columns usually. Uh, so it's not, uh, it's not difficult, actually. It's quite, quite accessible. And we did provide a, a free study guide. It's downloadable, a PDF form off the Ave Maria Press website. And um, I would take it one teaching at a time. That's what I would do. And he does build, so I'd probably do them in sequence. Uh, but I, I do it one at a time and just kind of mull it over. And the, the questions that we've prepared in the study guide are really not intellectual reading comprehension questions. You know, it's kind of more a deeper reading, but also some personal engagement. Um, you know, where do you see this in your life? Where could you? And so it is very usable for groups as well as individual study. And, you know, I've been giving some video teachings uh, uh, using that study guide on Saturday mornings as well. So those videos will should be uh, up there at some point uh, for everyone to see it whenever, you know, it's convenient. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're uh, trying to, to bring the teaching to everyone because I think it really was meant for everyone. Uh, and especially today, especially today, as we're as we contemplate the next step in evangelization. Well, beautiful, Jamie. I'm so grateful for your work on this, and just um, for all you've done to inspire me with your work. And I just imagine that um, someday, hopefully, a long time from now, when you get up to heaven, Saint John Paul II, they're um, thanking you and and saying, "Well done on doing the press for my <laughs> for my book." Well. Right? Thanks for bringing it to English. Good, right? Good job. Good job on that, Jamie. So yeah, he our, loved. He loved us also deeply right so it's, it's, and and this year is the 2020 is his uh, the 100th anniversary of his birth and so i kind of feel like this book is his birthday present to the rest of us that's beautiful well jamie stewart wolf thank you so much any closing thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners you know the saints are real and they engage with us and <clears throat> this project may be proof of that for me but it's also, you know, you look for it in your own life, where the saints are, are speaking to you, where they're, where they're praying for you, where they're leading you, and uh, receive the gifts they have to offer you. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you for your friendship and for your work on this book. Well, thank you, Lisa. God bless. Well, friends, that is it for this week's episode of Lisa Hendy and Friends. I do want to encourage you to head over to AveMariaPress.com where you'll be able to locate Teachings for an Unbelieving World, this beautiful new resource um, and all of the all of the uh, details that we discussed about extra pieces that can go with that as a, a accompaniment for your use of it. We'll have links for all of that in our show notes. And definitely you want to check out Jamie Stewart Wolf and her work as well. She's a very talented writer and speaker, too. And um, we'll have all that over at my website, along with all of our previous episodes and places that you can find me on social media. That's lisahendy.com. I want to thank you for listening this week and for all of your encouragement. I hope you have an awesome day. God bless. Looking for exceptional coffee? Delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. 
The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic-themed coffees, available at www.grimbeancoffee.com forward slash Redbox Media. Experience coffee like never before.